My name's Marcus, and I'm no expert comic book collector. With help from some not like-minded friends and you, our audience, I want to explore the amazing medium of comic books. This podcast is a reaction to all the common misconceptions I hear about comics as an art form. It's about how superheroes aren't the only type of stories you can find in comics. From true crime and memoir to historical fiction and sci-fi, comics have it all. This podcast is about educating people on what they can find out there and giving readers new, old, or misinformed something great to read. Listen up, nerds and future nerds. This is the VF Comics Podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the best comic book podcast that my mom has ever heard of. This week, I'm joined by the great and equally awful friend named Meg. Hello. <laughs> also with us is the most successful caveman since the Geico ones, James. Hello. Yeah. And if you notice that James is wearing his twins from the shining shirt and me and Meg are wearing our wizard and witch's hats, it's because even though this is the first episode of November, it's actually we're recording on Halloween. And so we're all getting prepped to go do our spooky things today. And the weather's beautiful here in Arkansas. Uh, for Halloween, I really couldn't have evened out better. Um, so we've got some interesting news and updates this week before we end with some great series that you can start this month and that you should definitely check out. So the first bit of news, and I have to give big credit, Megan has taken over a lot of the responsibility for doing research and gathering news sources, and she has done a great job this week. So everyone... You know what? Even though she can't hear you, give a round of applause for Meg. Yay, James. Hey, thanks. Gonna, oh James. no, let's not. Let's there not we go. Do it. Okay. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah. So the first bit of news is that a Portage Park artist wants your help to open a neighborhood comic book shop, which I think is a very noble cause. There we go. We're going to pull that up. So over in Portage Park in Chicago, there is a fellow who is looking to raise about 15000 to help with startup and inventory costs to open a comic book shop that will focus on the community and represent the diverse community that he hopes to serve. Wait a minute. Um, you can do that? Yeah, yeah you missed yeah. out. Oh, I know. Yeah, James, you missed out <laughs> by opening a community that you right. cannot serve. <laughs> <laughs> Hillcrest so, is, uh, you know, we need, it is a diverse, uh, you know, group of people, mostly hipsters and whatever, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the nice thing I thought about what he was doing is I was like, some of these ideas I'd really like to still because, you know, his goal from what it seems is he wants it to while to house like international, local indie comics you know, have a real good spot for children's and illustrated and printed artwork. He wants to make a very like home like bookstore sort of situation, whether than it be rather than it being, you know, a classic Big Bang Theory esque comic book shop. And James, I think you've kind of got that going on too with our, your reading room. And I know we've been talking about yeah. hosting some game nights. I was going to say the so, same thing. His is so nice. I love it there. There's a, yeah, it's really comfortable in there. And so that's like what I'd like to see these shops turning into. But I know a lot of comic shops have been turning into partial. They sell more than just comics in terms of the toys and stuff like that. Um, 
Yeah, one of my favorites I saw was a uh, was a comic book store that was uh, that's also a liquor store. What? I thought that was pretty. I can oh get on God. board uh, with this uh, idea as well. That's great. Um, and so, you know, when he was talking about some of the art that he wants to carry, too, it reminded me of, have y'all, I'm, I'm sure James has, um, Megan, did you see Unbreakable? Mm, no. With Bruce Willis? No, oh, wow. I know. Well, Samuel L. Jackson owns a very high-end comic art studio, and some of the things, you know, he seems to be talking about putting on his walls, you know, in terms of art pieces sound very similar to that. And also like the really, really cool uh, piece of ghostwriter art that James has on his wall. Um, James, can you tell us a little bit about that real quick? Oh, the uh, the ghostwriter art? Yeah, yeah. it's a uh, it's original art from Aaron Cooter, who uh, did uh, it, it's a character design that he did on uh, Ghost Rider. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, you know, uh, he, he has a, an art style that's really cool that I, that I really like. Uh, he's a friend of the store and a cool guy. So yeah, we were able to, to score that from him. Yeah. It's, and it's beautiful. Every time I see it, I'm like, Ooh, Ashley doesn't think I like Ghost Rider enough for me to buy it <laughs> from you. Um, although I did slip a hardback of the first 16 issues of Gideon Falls in my bag yesterday, at which point Ashley just looked at me and was like, what's that? And I was like, mm. <laughs> I did not answer her. <laughs> it's she fine. doesn't need to know about that. Doesn't she like um, watch these? <laughs> yes, 100%. I mean, I think she does. Uh, anyways, so going back to the bit of news we were talking about. So this is kind of, you know, being Kickstarter, it's an all or nothing deal. So he's hoping to raise that money to get it up started. We'll have a link to the news article about this. So you can kind of get a good idea for what more he wants to do. But I think what he's doing is a really, really noble idea. He's definitely wanting to add a lot of European comics, which is what he said he grew up on. Um, to the mix of what he has. Uh, but this is just looks like a really cool idea. I think Chicago uh, being a larger city and area might actually be able to successfully hold on to something like this. So we'll see. Arkansas is a whole different beast in terms of nerd culture type stuff. But uh, I think Chicago can manage it. Yeah. And, sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see here. Yeah, at Portage Park. And his name is uh, its artist and writer, Alain Park. So, and again, we will put that on there. He has an Instagram up. He is showing off all the stuff that he's doing. I really, really hope that he is able to open that. And maybe we'll visit it one day. Um, so that's just a piece of news. The next thing is news, but also I want to talk to you guys about your feelings on it. Now, none of us have seen Eternals yet. It's not out. It it comes out. Is it next weekend? I believe the, is it the fifth? It's next week. Oh yeah. yeah. So this coming week. Yeah. This coming. Like, yeah. This coming yeah. It's already been, it's already out internationally. If, oh, okay. So Eternals is the next film in the Marvel cinematic universe. And like Shang-Chi before it, it is kind of a standalone in that you haven't spent any time with these characters or ideas before. So unlike Shang-Chi, 
it is getting some really rough critical reviews. And something we talked about earlier is that these aren't, you know, user reviews on sites like Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic where it's a review bombing. The critical reviews are really not bad. They're mixed to the point that right now it's scores on um, critic sites that are, you know, take like, you know, like Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes that are putting it all together into a chunk. It has the lowest score of any Marvel Cinematic Universe film ever. More than Age of Ultron, uh, lower than Thor The Dark World. Oof. So, w- yeah. you know, it's what's a, your take on this? Yeah, it's a 60%. Uh, and that is pretty unusual for a uh for a marvel movie at this point i uh, i was a bit uh surprised by that i know that there has been I, I hear a lot about you know review bombing i don't know if that can necessarily apply to what rotten tomatoes has on their tomato meter uh those are usually um uh, well, and they usually have no. critic and user separate, so yeah. you can kind of see how things are going. That's yeah. why, like, Venom has a higher user score than it does critic. Yeah, I mean, whenever you look at it, it's kind of a, you know, the the uh, tomato meter reviews are from actual outlets, I guess. You know, not necessarily, you know, Joe Blow coming on and saying, yeah, this movie was slow and didn't, you know, satisfy my need for explosions or whatever, but, uh, it um, had a diverse agenda. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, (laughs) that's what ends up happening with, you know, audience meter type aggregates, you know, it's like a, it's, it's kind of two different things. So, So basically we have to separate out the, the criticisms, you know, as critic reviews versus audience reviews, and not kind of mix them together because, um, you know, whenever you start thinking about it as, you know, Joe Blow, you know, his, his opinion is equal to that of a critic. I mean, I guess on a, on some sort of like, you know, <laughs> humanistic standard or whatever, but, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, people who are paid to review movies uh, kind of have a different background and, you know, have watched a lot of movies who have studied movies. Uh, you know, they've, they've achieved some sort of level of, I guess, expertise <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in reviewing movies. Uh, and according to these people who are, you know, more seasoned reviewers, they, you know, it's, um, it's at 60%. So that is generally considered, you know, not a good score for a Marvel movie. Yeah. I mean, and and really it's 60% can be just a fine score. I know some of my movies that I love are much lower than that. And so we have to remember that like, this is just, you know, comparison to between people who found it critically good and people who found it critically not as good. And that's how that score gets there. So there are people who are, critically finding it there are critics finding it that are finding it very good and there are critics who are not enjoying it all that much with several of so several of the complaints have come from the fact from its runtime which is a little bit longer and i think from its you know there seems to be a there seems to be a 
barrier in the middle of the movie and that it's a Chloe Zhao film who's Chloe Zhao's done some not pop culture yeah, I mean, like you know like superhero films she did nomad land which was just wildly yes. popular um but very different from a marvel movie and so there's there's a there's a disconnect between it's a marvel movie and it's a zoe a, a, a chloe zhao movie and you know i think that maybe those two things are a little bit at, you know combative with each other um yeah uh, i've I've kind of been on this soapbox for a while that, you know, and, and, and I've had, you know, debates with people about this quite a bit that, you know, Marvel movies, there is a formula. Uh, and people kind of bring up different examples from, from the, the Marvel movies to, to uh, try to kind of, you know, dispute that. But ultimately, you know, there's, there's, there is a formula and, to say otherwise is kind of, you know, dishonest. Whenever you have a movie that, you know, is based upon a property owned by a corporation that is expected to maximize profits, uh, you know, whenever you have a certain amount of work done, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, early on in, in the MCU, whenever they were making Iron Man and Captain America and all, all these different movies, you know, they have learned what works and what hasn't. And, you know, it, it's impossible to imagine that a corporation isn't utilizing, you know, that th those experiences plus, you know, focus group uh, research, uh, you know, advertising research, all this different stuff to, to like go into it. And then, you know, you're going to hire somebody like a Chloe Zhao and say, all right, just go do, do what you want with it. And, you know, you know, give us your vision or whatever. No, you're not. Those folks are plugged into something that is already there. Well, and even for like when they have allowed creators, like when the Russo brothers came in for Captain America two, just such a different movie you know, visually and tonally than the first Captain America or when uh, Taika Waititi got to come in for Thor uh, Ragnarok, they still follow the formula of those earlier films, but they let that creator's style like inform the visual and artistic. And that's what the early review stuff I read is that her style is there, but then sometimes it's not. And I think that's partially because Chloe Zhao is not made like, large action films, you know, she makes character pieces and, you well, know, that's the, that's the sort of the, the way that they do it. They bring in, you know, promising directors, uh, from, um, you know, from in, independent films mm -hmm. who, you know, haven't worked with these types of budgets or this type of, uh, you, you know, on this level of budget, you know, it's, and they end up sort of using them to, I guess, direct people in front of green screens uh, to, uh, you know, handle the uh, character moments, you know, here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, but the way these movies are usually made is that usually the movie is as it's going to be is pretty well set before you start filming. And, and, and they use what's called pre-visualization 
which is basically almost like an animated version of the movie that is made that is, you know, kind of a template that, that that she used before, you know, any actors or, or anybody step on onto a soundstage. And whenever you do that, you're really kind of limiting what a director can bring to it and see, you know, you had mentioned, uh, winter soldier earlier, I feel like that may have been kind of where, where they figured out the template. Oh, um, absolutely. Like the movies were a little bit wider in range before then. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm really tough on, on the Russo brothers simply because I feel like that, that, that they really are kind of the, the, uh, the, the first example of that sort of pulling, uh, you know, somebody who had never even come close to to that level of filmmaking onto a movie. Oh, yeah, no, they they worked on Community, which is like a, a, a one camera comedy show. You know, yeah. you know, it's like that. That is like something totally di- different. Which which makes me think that you know, it's really about Kevin Feige. You know, Kevin Feige ha- has sort of taken this and, and kind of mixed it up and. Uh, you know, put together these different elements and has created, you know, the Marvel, the Marvel template. And, you know, I don't want to take anything away from, from, from their, their previous successes that those movies are good. Mm-hmm. They are good. Um, I always say, you know, I, I, so, sometimes I, I, I think I probably shouldn't like them as much as I should <laughs> in that, you know, it's like, yeah, this is like something that is obviously prefab made just for me, hits me in, in, in all the right spots. And I love it. Uh, you know, a lot of those Marvel movies are that, you know, but to, but sometimes I wonder, you know, are we all comfortable with like having something fed to us that is like, you know, just what we like, only what we like, doesn't challenge us, doesn't really, you know, say anything about ourselves, you know, I mean, you know, not to, to, to take, take away from black Panther or, or, or any of these other movies that have sort of, you know, captured the zeitgeist of the moment. I just think that, you know, just having something fed to you over and over and over again, that you love may not be the best thing for you. And I honestly, whenever I saw the cracks, forming on on eternals i was a little bit like i don't, I don't want to say happy but like maybe <laughs> you, you know finally there might be you know some sort of like reassessment here maybe i don't know mm-hmm. but uh but you know i just think that these movies you know are are pretty much pre-designed for us and you know that that can be kind of weird well, and I feel like that's part of why they got Zhao in the first place is because they wanted to address some, ironically, of the critic reviews. So mm-hmm. I, I was that's why I was so surprised that the critics were the ones that were so down on this movie because I feel like this was supposed to address the critics' well, they, distaste for. Well, and they they tried to have it both ways. I think. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Like, yeah you and, and, you know, instead of doing that's hard to do. instead of. Instead of doing what they did with Captain America Winter Soldier and making a completely different – like Captain America Winter Soldier was just so different from 
you know, just, you know, at least the first Captain America film, in my opinion, that that's what they need. They need their next shakeup. Like they've, they've hit Avengers Age of Ultron, which I know that came out after Captain America too, but they hit Avengers Age of Ultron and that like, um, you know, like, all right, cool. Like this formula, like is not working anymore. We need to do something different. And, you know, Thor, you know, Thor Ragnarok situation. And that's what they really needed. And Eternals was supposed to be that. And like you said, like they tried to, you know, have their cake and eat it too. Like they, or whatever. I I haven't seen it yet. So so I don't want to like, you know, prejudge it. I mean, I might love it, but you know, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, this was kind of like something that seemed like it was going to happen at some point, you know, I I, I mean, especially whenever you have a a director who signed on and started working on a movie and then ended up winning an Academy award, you know, it's like, okay, well, she might have a little bit more say that them, you know, maybe Marvel would have been comfortable with before, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. they would have rather had pre, uh, pre Oscar than post Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just weird how, how, you know, they went about this. There was an interesting quote, um, over at the Los Angeles times that I thought was really uh, kind of a funny quote. Uh, Justin Chang said, you walk out in the depressing realization that you've just seen one of the more interesting movies Marvel will ever make. And hopefully the least interesting one Chloe's how will ever make. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and I think that's it. You know, it depends on the mindset. Some of the critics are going in with some of them. Now that she's won that award, maybe going in a little bit with a perspective that it's a Chloe Zhao film instead of a Marvel film. And so the expectation it's where expectations can sometimes really change how you view a movie. Um, they, so I think, you know, the dangerous thing, and this is what I saw in a couple of the articles that we're going to post. The dangerous thing was a couple of the articles were kind of being like apologists and being like, when the real fans will decide. And I'm like, that real fans sort of language always makes me nervous because it, you know, like that is the language that like comics gate and stuff like that. use like, Oh, well the real fans. And so I just, you know, it's a real careful spot, but you know, this isn't going to ruin. It doesn't sound like this is a movie that ruins the Marvel cinematic universe. It's just, it's just like, you know, this might be more of a, at the end of the day, the worst thing I'm expecting when I go see this film is like, Oh, that was okay. And then I'm going to yeah. go on with my life right. and I'm going to watch Spider-Man no, no way yeah. home and, and all the, and you know, Wakanda forever. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to go see all these movies still because yeah, see, I've got a, I'm a little bit more like apocalyptic in my, in my thoughts on this. I mean, Marvel needs to, to stop making so much stuff too, too, too much stuff all the time. Uh, just absolutely smothering, you know, any enthusiasm that, that, that might be built up thanks to anticipation, but also, uh, just smothering out other things that could be talked about or done in cinema or in comics or any, anything else. Mm. Uh, you know, whenever you're flooding the market and trying to literally drown people in, in Marvel, that's, you, you know, that you, used to, there was a, there's the a concept of the backlash backlash, meaning, you know, 
if something got really, really popular, at some point people were, were going to be like, oh, God, you know, all right, let's move on to something else. Now, in in today's world with the Internet and with, you know, the level of corporate uh corporate, I guess, science that is, that is put in, in, into figuring out entertainment, we don't see backlashes as much. I mean, stuff lingers. It lingers for a long time. It really does. Because there's always an audience out there that's willing to, to hang on to it. And like yep. back in the old days, you know, the cool people would say, oh, God, this is enough. Have you heard about this? This is great. You know, and it's like now you know, Disney and the Warner brothers or whoever, you know, are, are able to use these properties to kind of just lay a blanket over everything. And, uh, you know, we need to, to, to see something else. I mean, we, Marcus, we just saw Dune, you know, yeah. a, um, we it, saw it without Meg because she lied to us. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> You know, That's I'm funny. I'm telling you, I'm going to have Dune in, in, in the back of my head whenever I watch it, Eternals, because here is like a movie that, you know, cost a lot of money. It was risky. But, mm-hmm. you, you know, a Marvel movie is not risky in, inherently. It's just not not now. Uh, but this was risky, written by by a guy in the 60s. One guy, one vision directed by. A, one guy with a vision. I mean, obviously, they, directed by a guy who the last big budget, you know, sort of like adaptation that he did, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. If I remember correctly, it did well critically, but its box office was not yeah. great for the yeah. budget. Yeah, it was risky. And so it's surprising. You know, it's surprising they gave it to him. Yeah, it's risky. Somebody believed in him and and, and put their money on him, mm-hmm. and. You know, Warner Brothers, man, they were shaky on it right up until the end, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he I mean, they they wouldn't even despite having seen it, they still didn't believe in it enough to greenlight the sequel. Like it had they made waited for that first weekend money to come in. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was a huge risk. Like it was out for a week before they greenlit wow. the sequel. I mean, sure. I mean, is there any doubt that if if Eternals does doesn't do well, that that, that we're not going to get another Marvel movie? We, we've already got five of them are already on the way. You know? Oh yeah, and, like they've already scheduled the next you know three years and planned the next ten. Like, <laughs> and you know, Dune has far exceeded anything. You know, it in in, in my mind, Dune's better than than, than anything Marvel's done. You know, I'm sure that there are people that will argue with me about this, but, you know. And if you want to argue, please go to our social media and leave a comment <laughs> yes, for James saying, you're wrong. I am and that I'm, you're, you know. you're an idiot. Um, and yeah. I, did have a, right. I did have a friend at Dune, I found out, apparently after it was over, and I won't use names, said, uh, oh, that was okay. What? And I'm, yeah, <laughs> I was just like, it wasn't anyone involved in this podcast, was it? No, okay, good. I was about to say, I'm no, gonna, but I was just like, Tom. you know, it was, um. well, yeah, it, yeah. It's like, since Tom's not here, I'm going to call him out. No, it wasn't Tom, but it's that sort of stuff well, where I'm like, that person is just trying to be contrarian because now Dune is, in, it's becoming incredibly popular. Um, like I know more people, it's a, it reminds me of when, um, Animal Crossing came out on the Switch uh, last year. And that, like, you know, 
I the people number of people I know that played this newest Animal Crossing made me like like I love the Animal Crossing series, but it's not like it was like the series. And Dune has done so well that it's becoming like it's turned from this more obscure side thing to kind of mainstream in terms of conversation. Okay, well, Animal Crossing that's is upsetting my some people. series. It is the series yeah. in my world, so you can yes, but it also like on. Animal Crossing was not like the the mainstream no, Nintendo not. series. It just came out at a very good until time. this until this most recent one, and it, you know part of that had to do with the timing. Mm. There was nothing yeah, else to do. We were all inside. Hundred percent timing, um, and it's a good game. But yeah, I mean, Animal Crossing aside. Uh, <laughs> How did we get here? Why did we James get here? Loves Animal Crossing. <laughs> it's but uh, yeah, I mean. Um, I just think that, you know, there, there was a time, I mean, old fart James is going to come out on, on, oh, no, on the he's, back he's already and, been out. Like the phrases, the phrases that you have been using are just like, Oh, like, you know, old man, James back opinion. My back, back, back in my day, uh, get my pipe you and, shouldn't take chances on movies. Let me get my pipe and get in my rocking chair. Listen, there was a time. Listen, kiddos. Back in the day, <laughs> whenever I walk thirty miles in, in, in the snow to watch uh, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. No, what I'm saying is, <laughs> is that there was a there was a time whenever there were big, expensive, risky Hollywood movies. There was a time that did not involve the elements that that we have that that is so dominate right now. It was, you know, you know. A guy that deciding he, he's going to make a, a movie about Vietnam and in the Philippines and goes and ends up spending three years there spending un, un, ungodly amounts of money making a movie, you know, that. Are you talking about Tropic Thunder? Oh my God. Yeah, that I'm was just it. Kidding. Actually. No. Uh, <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no, it was uh, Apocalypse Now, you know, like. Yeah, I, yeah. And, and these are movies that Warner, that, that, that these studios know that they can sell to people over and over again for years and years and years because they stand the test of time. I mean, these are like cherished properties that make a ton of money for these folks. You can put out a copy, you know, a new uh, collector's edition of, you know, Lawrence of Arabia or, or whatever. And people love this stuff generate, mm-hmm. you know, well, well beyond that generation. And, you know, I think now, we're seeing more or less, you know, this like systemic surefire system that that's put in to like capitalize on people's nostalgia and, uh, and, you know, current sensibilities rather than, you know, really trying to do something really amazing and different. And um, I will unapologetically buy tickets to every Marvel movie that I comes will out. Too. Continue. Yeah, I will too. It's like, a, I will it's, too. I mean, like, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, we recognize it, but we're part it's, of yeah. uh, the, problem the problem there. Um, well, I'd love to let old James, old man James, uh, continue his rant, but we do need to move on time wise. Uh, James, up? thank you for bringing your, um, you know, dust bowl sensibilities to the podcast. You. Yeah, you should. Um, you should listen more. Yeah, you can listen take it out and get it. Nope, it's we're leaving it. Um, so <laughs> for the next thing is we do want to do a quick update on um, a couple weeks ago. We reported that a book was being taken out of Texas schools 
based on was it 400 of the 80,000 parents um, decided that it was promoting critical race theory, something that even the author himself said, what? Like what? Explain to me what critical race theory is happening in my book, new kid, which is about a child who is a minority attending a new school and the difficulty and it's an, you know, primarily white school. And so it's just exploring that. And apparently the fact that a minority might have difficulty in an all white environment is uh, controversial, Ugh. according to those 400 Which parents. Is, that's scary. <laughs> that's, it's, that's it is not. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely scary that such a small percentage of people were able to like cause this change anyways. But the update is the book is uh, new kid. The new kid and class act by him are back in these Texas schools. And if I remember correctly, Megan, correct me if I'm wrong. Did he end up actually visiting the school? Because part of it is he was going to visit the school originally. Oh, I actually don't. I am not sure. I know that a bunch of other parents got really upset about this and they petitioned their petition and were just like, and no, this is, and that's great. And that's sometimes what you don't see happen is this for, you know, this like small percentage of people can get so loud that they don't face opposition and clearly this group of parents did face some immense opposition from people being like, no. And, you know, we hear so much, you know, I think negative news about Texas and some of the things going on there that it's good. It's good to hear that there was a large group of people being like, no, you're not going to ban this book. You are. And especially for the reasons like you've shown clearly and we discussed too last time that this is such an easy thing for those parents who are going against it to find out what's really in the book, but they clearly haven't. Um, so uh, there's, a, are, it, yeah. Oh, there's also a GoFundMe that they've um, started to try to get copies of these books in the hands of <sighs> Texas kids. So, yeah, so that's cool. Oh, and it says that the counter petition that they got signed had 2,113 signatures so far, which is like, what's that? Like six times the number of people yeah. who originally were calling for it. I mean, just. Uh, it seems like sorry, seems, I had to cough. Seems on, it seems like our, did I hear on the radio that, well, this, this may have just been a, a claim and not actually happened, but I think it was like a, a uh, Leslie Rutledge uh, commercial that said that she was keeping critical race theory out of Arkansas schools. I mean, do we know exactly what that means or how that happened or if it happened? Oh, or what? No, I don't. I haven't heard anything about uh, it. CRT, like we're, we're going to go to the next bit of news. I just wanted to inform people about this, but I think CRT at this point is most people don't, really know exactly what it's covering and it's being used as a, uh, just a scary phrase. Like, um, you know, which is what usually happens in these situations. We, that could be a long history discussion. Um, but yeah. Um, so it's great that that's back in schools. It's cool that they're trying to get more of these books in the hands of kids. Uh, and you know, in the future we might talk a little bit more about how, so other schools are taking not just graphics, but other kinds of books 
and trying to apply mm-hmm. the same sort of pressure. Yeah, this is um, happening. I in guarantee a lot of you, this is yeah, this is not the last time that we are going to talk about it. And maybe we can set aside an episode to have that full conversation because it's going to be a long one and a good one. Um, Megan, I'm going to need you to inform me on this next piece of news because you added it and it's weird. And it's the only thing I didn't look at ahead of time. Tokyo pop promises to bring the nightmare before (laughs) Christmas manga to cracker. That's really all you need to know. I just needed that sentence to be read. And, uh, isn't that the weirdest thing? And and Marcus, you would be shocked. That, that uh, manga is incredibly popular. Is it really? Yes. I've had people yes. asking for it all the time. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yeah. I mean, they they have all kinds of like uh, cool um, uh, little uh, statues and stuff. It's, it, it, it's a really cool little, uh, little deal. But having it at Cracker Barrel is fascinating. Yeah, they they uh, Tokyo Pop put out a tweet and they were like, "We're tweeting, tweeting, we're teaming with Cracker Barrel to bring Disney the Nightmare Before Christmas manga to the stores." <laughs> it's just, I mean, my mind's all over the place because so James strange. is like, I know clearly y'all haven't heard, but apparently this is a really popular thing. And then the addition of like it's going, I just Cracker Barrel, I'm really, and that's this going is Cracker where. Barrel. Question. This is where I mm. couldn't run a business because I'm not aware of what's popular because that doesn't. Okay. Question. Me- question for you, Marcus and Meg. Oh no. Whenever you go into Cracker Barrel, what, where's the first place you go? What do you got to look well, at? Well, I have. I have the to go bathroom. through the, style, the shop. I'm just kidding. The bathroom. Um, <laughs> uh, sometimes the bathroom. Yeah. Um. I I look at the stuff. Yeah. You do look at the stuff, yeah. I, I mean, I do. I, do. I mean, yeah. I kind of look. I like to look at the uh, CDs and stuff, like yeah, I love like uh, the too. weird old CD, like you know, I, I like old country music and stuff. But you know, it's like just the weird way it, it it gives you like a like a a view into that subculture mm-hmm. of people, you know, what they're interested mm-hmm. in and such. You know, I like to look you know, at the it's toys. Like a, it's kind of fascinating. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Try. It's just a weird thing oh, to be like. Does it make surprise? Sense? Uh, yeah, you're gonna see a Nightmare Before Christmas collection at your local Cracker Barrel. I, I'm I I need to go and get it. Like I I want it. You can get her done while you sing. This is Halloween. Um, yeah, I mean hash brown casserole and manga. Let's do this. Ooh, hash. Oh, that is good. Ooh. Hey, I'm I, so I'm hungry saying, right guys. now. Why do you gotta do I'm, that? I'm sorry. It's so good. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, that's the only thing I want from there. Like, I just want five helpings of that. Oh. Well, so we're gonna good. move. on. We are the most liberal again. podcast to, to ever um, discuss the uh, hash brown casserole. <laughs> hash brown casserole. <laughs> yes. We are. Like, we are. Yes. Uh, and admit that we like it. And not yes. be like, you know, yeah. <laughs> Cracker Barrel. Oh God, you know, look at Cracker Barrel. Yeah, I mean, Hash we're still casserole, Bill Maher. We're still from Arkansas, <laughs> so we're still <laughs> from the South. Yep, we are. You know, no, gosh, no I'm, shame. Stop! I'm so hungry. You, you guys are apps actually killing. I me had right donuts now. this morning. It was growling. So I'm afraid it's going to come through on the podcast. Um, I guess. Yeah, I haven't eaten yet today. What am I doing? What are you life? doing? I'm gonna fix it. Next I'm, I'm about item. to go to. I'm about to go to a birthday party. 
Um, <laughs> anyways, so for the final thing is we are now to the point where, uh, you know, we love recommending and finding all sorts of cool stuff for you guys. And so I so told you last month on the first episode of the month that we are always going to try to bring you recommendations that are easy to hop in and start, uh, whether it be graphic novels that are coming out this the fall, this month or number ones. So we've gathered some suggestions for you. And this week I was able to remind people and a little bit better ahead of time than we were doing this. <laughs> a 24 extra hours. Yeah. Um, and so we are going to talk a little bit about some of those books real quick before we close off for the day. So Megan. Hey. I see you've got a cool list here. So why don't you go ahead it's and start? It's a super cool list. All right. So the first issue of After Dark, a uh, series from Aftershock Comics is coming out. And I think this is going to be a, yeah, a one-shot um series so it's going to be a horror anthology described as tales from the crypt meets twilight zone and it's going to be four different stories and coming from four different creative teams so it's going to have cullen bunn uh, for writing cullen bunn jim starlin joe pruitt and frank thierry and then artists are going to be cliff richards nicole jelenic simon kudanstri and joe isma sorry if i butchered your last names and then, if she butchered your last name and you're one of those creators, make sure to go yeah. tell us on, on tell our us. social Find media. Find us on social media. And, and share, please. And, and share. share, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, so another one that's coming out, My Bad, uh, from Ahoy Comics. And this is just, this is by Bryce Ingman and uh, art by Peter Krause. And this is a superhero spoof series. And that's really all that needs to be said about it. It's making fun of superhero comics, which I'm 100% down for. Uh, the one I'm most excited about is called Regarding the Matter of Oswald's Body from Boom Studios. And this is going to be a mini series. This was on series. my list, too. It looks yeah. so good. And it's um, from Christopher Cantwell, art by um, Luca uh, Casalanguida. And it's about a group of misfits brought together to solve a mystery surrounding the buried body of Lee Harvey Oswald. And that just sounds fun. So... If Get you're excited. like a big fan of like historical conspiracy yes. theories, like this looks like a really, it really looks cool so one. Fun. Yeah, I'm not giving it enough. It looked a lot cooler than like the description I'm giving you. You should read it. And then yeah. um Nick Chris Cantwell's awesome too, yeah. What what has uh he written? Oh, let's see, he did um he's doing um Blue Flame, one of my one of my favorites right oh, now. Yeah. He did Doom uh, uh for Marvel. He's um, he was nominated for an Eisner, I believe, it was last oh, cool. year. He's a he he's a good he, he's a good writer that needs. Uh, I feel like he, he needs more more recognition. He's he's good. Um, the next one is Nyx from Dynamite, and this is about uh, Nyx, as in the daughter of the Greek god Chaos. And I probably only want to read this because of the game Hades, and that's fine. Uh, I have no problem with that. It's by um, Christos Gage, art by Mark Borstel. So those are the yeah, things. I mean, like we actually uh, uh, at work, someone put up a recommendation of books to read. If you really enjoyed the game, Hades, because well, uh, Hades despite me is like, it's got a really good like story and the way it's built. It's uh, mythology using actual mythology. Is it's really, so really good. Cool. I'm not even a big roguelike fan, um, Same, but I, I, well, it feels so I good, love Hades. Yeah. But yeah, the, uh, yeah. Anyway, so those are my things that I found. 
Yeah. James, uh, you got anything for us this month? Well, uh, Chip Zdarsky's got New Burn coming out. Uh, also one of mine. It looks so good. <laughs> yeah, it looks like, a, um, you know, I love a good, uh, you know, crime detective story. Zdarsky's been kind of tearing it up. Um, let's see. I know that Last Flight Out's still going. Uh, I was also on the uh, on the uh, Oswald's Body bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else we got here. I know the Venom, uh, the Venom starting starting back up with Al Ewing um, at the uh, at, at the helm. I'm curious to see how he's gonna what what he's gonna bring to that title. Uh, but my uh, pr- probably the one I'm most uh, looking forward to is what's the furthest place from here. Uh, I know that say uh, that title again. What's that? What's the furthest place from here? Oh. From uh, Matt Rosenberg and, and Tyler Boss, they did uh, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, which was probably one of my f- favorite uh, books ever. Uh, really a great book. Uh, they've uh, they've got a new one coming that they're working on together with Image. Uh, it's really cool. It's also going to be the first issue is going to be shipping with uh, well some of the uh, some of the issues. There's there's an addition that comes with. A uh, with a record, so what? Uh, yep. uh, so it's going to be really cool. Oh, James has got that's got James's attention. That's for sure. cool. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, Mar- Marvel's got some good stuff, and, and DC also has some good stuff coming. Just to uh, uh, just to kind of throw that out there, I know that uh, Hulk is being taken over by uh, Donny Cates, and everybody's excited about that. So oh, uh, yeah. Uh, what's that going on with the DC, Marcus? Well, I actually only have one DC book on my list. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but that's because of like, you know, kind of number ones. Um, and of course it involves Batman. And that is because it also deals with my favorite writer that I keep talking about, Jeff Lemire, Jeff Lemire, however you want to. Um, but him and Dustin Wynn, who worked on Descender together, are doing a new uh, series, Robin and Batman. And it's more going to focus on young Dick Grayson, who is just, according to the synopsis, struggling to find his way in a strange, difficult, dark new world. So this idea of focusing on that team, but maybe from Dick Grayson's point of view and the art on it, it just looks like a really incredible exploration. Um, I'm not sure if it's necessarily tied, you know, as far as canon goes, but going back to that era, I don't think they're worrying much about canon so much as a good story. And, um, you know, Jeff Lemire is usually allowed to do whatever he wants. So, yeah. uh, that, 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 I think that's going to be really, really cool. Yeah. Tom King's um, got, got human target coming too from DC. I did. I did see that. I was, I thought about putting that one on there too. Um, if you're looking up human target stuff, do not go back and watch the Fox, uh, <laughs> television show. Just read the new book coming out instead. Um, do y'all remember they made a human target series? It went like two seasons. Right? Hi. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. I don't remember yeah. that at all. Anyways. Um, so, uh, two of my others, since you guys stole two of mine, uh, cause you're thieves. <laughs> um, one is run number one and it looks to be kind of a Western horror book. Um, eight, so I'm going to read the synopsis to you. Um, 1899 Yukon territory, a frozen frontier bloodied and bruised by the last great gold rush. But in the lawless wastes to the north, something whispers in the hindbrains of men, drawing them to a blighted valley where giant spider tracks mark the snow 
and impossible guns roar in the night. To broke hoof, where gold and blood are mined alike. Now, stumbling towards its haunted forest, comes a woman gripped not by greed, but the snarling rage of a mother in search of her child. Um, this seems cool. Just like, What's I really like the art. Uh, run. Run. Okay. Yeah. So it looks like to be, you know, um, you know, some Western horror, definitely getting more fantastical than your, you know, down to earth Western horror. But I like that. Though. I love yeah, that sort of stuff. Cool. The other one goes to my uh, love of wholesome oh, wait, packaging. That's Rush, dude. Oh, Rush. Wow. Oh. Wow. I can't. Yeah, because I'll, 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 I'll sit there listening to it and I was like. I think I may have recommended well, that yeah, at some point. I've seen Rush. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, no, you're familiar. right. That's funny. This is awkward. No, I wrote down Run, but I'm I de- okay. Yeah, I guess That's I meant Rush. Funny. And Rush makes okay. more sense as a title, sure considering what it's covering. Um, so for my last one, um, I like to take wholesome stuff and mix it with something horrific, and it's called Ranger Stranger. And they say it's a gallows comedy set in the Hackenneck National Park, um, a vast Bob Rossian world of woods and waters for the adventurous camper or hiker to enjoy. Unfortunately, everything from the wildfire flowers to the homicidal deer all the way to the park official wants to murder you. Um, so it's got like kind of that stray dogs Disney packaging, um, but uh, mixed with like murder and this one seems to be more a bit more of like a, a parody a comedy uh, sort of situation, though. Um, so it might not make you cry and hate yourself as much as Stray Dogs does. That's good. That's good. Um, so those were mine. Um, and I'm proud of myself for only having one DC on there. Good job. Even though you all made fun of me last week. <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, that is going to be it for us this week. We've gone through our recommendations, news, and discussions. Thank you so much for joining us this week at the VF Comics Podcast. You can support us in a number of ways, whether it's joining our social media communities or donating to us at Patreon or Ko-Fi. Um, with the support, we can extend our reach and bring you guys more great comic book content. Uh, so give us a follow, a like, subscribe, a comment. And maybe a dollar or 20. Um, and we can keep bringing you cool stuff. And we will see you all next week. Bye, guys. Bye.